Well, hello, Matt Latshaw. Hello, Angela. This is Angela Pancella speaking to you from the Mariah Piecast. Hello, one and all who are listening to this, whoever you may be. Uh, Matt Latshaw is, uh, well, why don't you tell the good people out in podcast land who you are? Sure. Uh, so my name is Matt Latshaw. I've uh, been involved with Mariah Pi for uh, a couple of years, but right now my role is, uh, can be a lot of things, but I spend most of my days uh, growing food in the neighborhood and serving it on Friday nights uh, to folks who come to Mariah Pie. Nice. How did you first get involved? Uh, so a couple of years ago, Aaron and Robert, uh, who started Mariah Pie, were running a, a residential internship based around uh, the work in the neighborhood. Don't uh, let me interrupt you, but by any chance is that Aaron and Robert Lockridge? That's right. Yeah, Aaron and Robert Lockridge. Um, and they, at that time, uh, they... Yeah, we're looking for a way to kind of engage the uh, theological implications of the work and the kind of motive behind the work in almost an academic type of setting. And so uh, my wife Lyric and I uh, had just moved uh, to Cincinnati that year and had been introduced to Aaron and Robert through a mutual friend uh, who said, you know, you've got to meet these folks and then see the restaurant they're doing. They also happen to be doing this internship. So we met Aaron and Robert, had dinner with them and... Uh, after they invited us to uh, to you know hear more about the internship, we decided to go ahead and uh, join up and uh, yeah live in community in Norwood and uh, work in the gardens, work at Mariah Pie. So that was about three and a half years ago. What what year was that? That was 2016. Okay. So so we are recording this in September of 2019. That's right. May of 2016 was when we moved to Norwood. On my mm -hmm. mother's birthday, we are recording this, oh, September wow. 10th. That's amazing. 2019. Well, happy birthday to your mother. Thank you. Um, yeah. So that's how it got started. And uh, after the internship that year, we uh, just really had fallen in love with the vision, with the people, and uh, with the neighborhood, with the actual place. And so Lyric and I bought a house just down the street, a couple of blocks away, and uh, stayed involved um, in different ways over the years. Mm -hmm. So what's been the most surprising thing about stepping into leadership? Hmm. I think that I've found the, a kind of, uh, this thing, something I hadn't ever felt before, which is like a combination of satisfaction and exhaustion, uh, that I, have heard people talk about of kind of this feeling of purpose in work and I had just never experienced it. And I thought, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen for me. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, have found so many moments, uh, you know, every day can be different, but many moments of, uh, truly feeling my exhaustion in my body and my mind feeling just, uh, very much like my energy is spent, but at the same time, um, feeling rejuvenated in, uh, my spirit, not to be too dualistic about things. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's been something that's been very surprising, uh, and very, uh, exciting too. Do you feel like that's something that may set you apart from some of your peers? Like when you're talking to friends, do you find 
Because there's a lot of folks who have great dissatisfaction in their day-to-day work lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's a rare thing in our culture uh, to to have that. And yet there's something in us and in our culture that says that we should have that, that it's almost uh, a right or an entitlement that... Uh, that you should have that satisfaction in your work. And I, I believe that, you know, everyone, I want to believe that everyone can find that for them. You know, what is their, uh, the kind of unique, uh, crossroads of their, their passions and the needs of their community and things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't, uh, I haven't encountered too many people who have had a lot of experiences like that, um, in their work. Um, especially a lot of younger folks, folks my age, I'm 28 and now, and uh, yeah, a lot of my friends are, um, yeah, in jobs that they either don't care for, they're kind of a means to an end, or um, there's just, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it doesn't feel like the same sense of purpose. Maybe it, this is another part of it too, that I wonder, uh, not to go too far into a rabbit hole, but there's something about a lot of jobs and careers. And I experienced this because I quit my job as an IT person at University of Cincinnati. There's something about the exhaustion piece, the bodily, mental, spiritual, emotional exhaustion that I think plays into the satisfaction or opens up the possibility for it because I would be, you know, sitting at my desk for eight hours a day, solving problems, helping people. And I would just be I would have that similar kind of exhaustion of just uh, feeling totally empty, uh, but without any kind of uh, satisfaction. So I think that our yeah a lot of a lot of jobs in our culture are set up to not uh, to be disconnected from any kind of purpose or any kind of uh, bigger picture. It's more of a here's your role, fulfill this little portion. Um, and that's nothing new that's been going on for a long time. But uh, I've found a, a lot of my peers aware of that. Something's missing here. Well, you know, what's going on? You know, people just still haven't found what they're looking for in a lot of ways. And uh, I really hope that, yeah, my, my prayer and hope for people is that they are, you know, continue to seek out, you know, in, in conversation with their community, um, you know what that could be, not in a kind of abstract, uh, you've just got to find it. It's out there somewhere. It's almost like the kind of, uh, you got to find the one that you're supposed to date and supposed mm. to marry. It's this one thing. And if you could only find the one mm. thing, mm. I don't think it has to be one thing. Um, it can be unique to a moment of where when you find that urge that, you know, comes up in you and you're, when you hear of an, something that's wrong, so you're say something, someone should do something about this. Uh, you know, maybe that person could be you. Uh, well, not only that, but uh, the analogy to marriage you just made made me think about how uh, in our culture currently there is a certain sense that the one is the one, your complete uh, romantic, interpersonal um, life coach a partner in everything that fulfills every need you have as a human being, whereas in community, 
you have a number of people who are in your life for a number of different reasons. And similarly, your work with Mariah Pye in the gardens, you mentioned was multifaceted, right? You're not just rolling dough. You're not just (laughs) making pie crusts. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think uh, that's a good way of putting it because maybe for someone it wouldn't be a career that's the kind of giving them that purpose maybe it's maybe it's not fair to expect that of a of a work all the time so yeah maybe it's something more like uh communal you know a community that you find yourself in where maybe your job at the moment isn't giving you that purpose but maybe it's just it's just not the time for that maybe you can find other other things that do um because, yeah, definitely in the same way that our culture kind of glorifies this vision of the all-encompassing, all-serving, it's all for you, you know, type of romantic relationship. Yeah, it's this idea that it's kind of glorification of like, well, if you could just find that one job that, uh, you know, fits all of your needs and also pays really well and has health insurance and all these things, maybe it's just uh, unfair to ask that of a job and we need to take, yeah, seek out other other ways of finding that fulfillment and that passion. The role I see you in the most when I am hostessing for Mariah Pie is I come back to the kitchen and you are rolling dough. You are um, making sure that things are working in the kitchen and people know which pizza they're making next and captaining. Um, what is your hope for those who experience Mariah Pie? What is it that you hope that they experience? Mm. That's a good question because it can be tempting for me, uh, and I think for Mariah Pie as a as a, an experience of those of us who are kind of behind the scenes, is to to allow the expectations of a typical restaurant to kind of drive things, uh, where um, it can be easy to want. Uh, everyone to be happy and everyone to be, have their needs met and fully satisfied. And that's, I think, not a bad thing for everyone to be happy at all. Everyone, did you just hear Matt does not actually want you to be happy (laughs) when you come from Ryan Pie? Just so you know. uh, I won't disagree with that. Uh, But I will say that's not the complete uh, picture. I think there's something uh, that we want to cultivate um, that's deeper than happiness. We want people to be happy. There's something uh, deeper than happiness? <laughs> there's a couple of books I can think of written about that. Maybe folks can check it out. Um, but uh, yeah, what I really long for is for people to feel uh, welcomed um, whoever they are, wherever in life they find themselves, whatever, yeah, whatever stage of life, whatever type of person they, you know, uh, think of themselves uh, as, and, uh, for people to find a, uh, find a sense of belonging, I think is the ultimate goal for people to find, uh, to feel themselves invited and kind of drawn in to the experience, to the story, and uh, to, I want, I hope that people find their imagination ignited uh, towards, um, you know, curiosity, towards creativity, uh, towards uh, generosity. Uh, yeah, I think I want people to, uh, 
to see that because they are welcome, they have something to give, something to offer, and we want uh, we want to cultivate that the same way that we cultivate our crops. We want to encourage that uh, um, growth and that engagement, connectedness, and uh, so that could look like a lot of things. But that's that's a long way of answering the question. I didn't say just one answer. <laughs> it's not happiness, but it's a lot of other things. Yeah. The words you're using uh, make me think of theology. I feel like there's some some theological perspective that's uh, woven into this whole experience. Um, has there been a shift in your theological perspective hmm. through this experience? Yeah, another good question. I'm sure there has been. I wonder if I'll be aware of it right away. Uh, I think I've, I don't know if, yeah, I have a kind of conscious awareness of that, any shift right now, but I do feel like I have uh, a new experience Mm. of theology uh, in like less of an abstract way. Uh, Well, well, where did you start out in your like journey in um God. <laughs> how long is this? Po- how long is this podcast supposed to be? <laughs> how much? How much room is on that little computer of yours? Oh, a lot. Um, gosh. Uh, so I grew up uh, being at church a lot. My dad was a pastor, and uh, so I was there physically uh, a lot. And what and, kind of uh, church was this? Yeah, it's kind of a, an evangelical uh, church in, the, in in Iowa where I grew up. Uh, so kind of Midwestern small town evangelical church, um, kind of uh, similar to like a Baptist uh, approach or liturgy, um, and uh, yeah, a generally um, welcoming, kind of nurturing, positive environment. Um, I think that the a lot of my journey to where I am now is kind of a response to some facets of that world. Um, I think I I've going through college and after college, I think I've longed for a kind of rootedness, connectedness, uh, kind of a physical, tangible. Um, expression of, uh, of that faith. And, um, for me, uh, yeah, I find myself very compelled and drawn in by, um, remembering that God made my body. He made the, the earth, um, and that, uh, one way that I might learn about God is to, uh, enter deep more deeply into understanding and relationship with God's creation, um, including myself, my neighbors, um, with the physical dirt, um, that we came from. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, I've really appreciated, uh, having a more tangible, uh, you know, physical engagement and evidence of, um, of God's, um, creativity, God's provision, 
um, God's welcome and generosity. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, a split has happened between an understanding of the body and the spirit in our um, general theological, American theological experience? I think absolutely so. Um, I think there's been a huge emphasis in general. Um, I'll speak from my background in the in the evangelical church. Is definitely a I experienced an emphasis on. Um, it's all about uh, you know faith without works is dead. You know that's kind of a um, an important passage uh, for evangelicals that um, our belief comes first, and it's kind of the most important. Um, peace. I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think, however, that uh, it can it can lead to this uh, understanding, and maybe it's an implicit understanding. Maybe it's never spoken explicitly, but that uh, all you need is kind of a mental assent mm. of uh, well. You say this is, you believe this is true. You say it's true. It's all in your brain. Mm. Um, it's all kind of a conscious, uh, um, yeah, I agree with that. I have, I affirm that. And yeah, again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's, um, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's really important, but I think it, um, it can minimize the importance of, uh, of relationship when you focus on the kind of the individual, um, well, this is my self-contained, I'm an island of, uh, you know, isolation and I it's me believe and this. Yeah. It's just, it's just, that's all it is. And it can, it can lead to a kind of disconnectedness that I think is prevalent in all of our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of, you know, not by anyone's fault. I don't think anyone is set out to, do that on purpose. I think it's just the driving um, powers of our of our culture have kind of fed into that idea that um, it's all the most important thing is me and my own uh, decision, my own um, mental choice. And uh, I think yeah, it can it can it can minimize that that importance of context of culture of relationship of neighbors um when in the end of the day you can always just return to well that's not what i think and that doesn't make sense to me i don't agree with that and so you can shut out anything that isn't already Mm. in you um so that's something that uh where how do we get on that tangent (laughs) doesn't even does not even matter yeah Trust, trust the process. <laughs> we have uh, been talking a little bit about relational energy then, the connection between people. Um, you've been living now in Norwood uh, since 2016. That's right. And before you took on the, and when did you take on um, the, you quit your job and you, with Lyric, your wife, and you both quit your jobs and moved full time into the gardens in Mirai Pai. When was that? So that was in February of this year, February 2019. 2019. So, um, yeah. And 
so your relationship with Norwood itself has shifted during that time. Mm. Has it not? Have, have oh. you seen a shift in your perspective on Norwood through this experience? Oh, definitely. I, uh, it's mostly small things. I notice, uh, you know, the way that sidewalk is cracked and how I need to avoid it with my wheelbarrow. Or I notice, uh, um, just yesterday, I noticed there's an apple tree in the parking lot of the Board of Elections building. And uh, little things like that that uh, kind of have excited my curiosity about the physical place of Norwood. You know, who would expect uh, in this asphalt landscape a, a small but persistent and beautiful apple tree making fruit? Um, Sounds like Norwood, Ohio. <laughs> Who would expect the small but persistent asphalt yeah. world? Yeah, definitely. It's yeah, I've I've come to know the physical land in a in a deeper way because I am not just driving my car, leaving the neighborhood, or you know, in my case, I was you know riding my bike to the university, and. Um, kind of is easy to pass through my neighborhood more than um, be in mm -hmm. my neighborhood. So yeah, just little things and uh, knowing, notice, a lot of noticing fruit trees, <laughs> always on the lookout. And um, it is September. Yes. Uh, so, uh, but uh, more engagement with people too, and just knowing more people's stories. It definitely invites a lot of attention when you're, uh, pushing a wheelbarrow down the sidewalk and avoiding cracks or climbing up an apple tree with someone's permission and uh, picking apples by the crateful, um, someone might stop and ask a question. And uh, it's a beautiful invitation to uh, engage with someone new, to hear someone's stories. So many moments of hearing uh, all kinds of different people's experience in Norwood, you know, from folks who have been there for 50 years um, to uh, stories of um, people who just just moved there, just arrived uh, from out of town. And um, I think it's I've def I feel like I've experienced the uh, the varied story of the people of Norwood. Uh, there's all kinds of diversity and uh, unique Folks who, like I said, have been there a long time, maybe a short time, maybe their parents are from there, uh, maybe they've moved back, maybe they're, yeah, there's all kinds of, uh, of stories that, uh, yeah, of people who, who also call Norwood home. What's going on in the gardens? Let's see. This week, it is forecast to be pretty warm in the 90s. And that's uh, good news for nightshades. Uh, that includes tomatoes, peppers, and eggplants. And uh, so it's good. It's good uh, news for har the harvest. We've been harvesting lots of tomatoes, uh, especially uh, freezing them. Uh, just today, I was uh, freezing some tomatoes for the winter months and spring months before tomatoes are back again. Um, we recently received some pawpaws. From Norwood. Did uh, you see I brought you some more pop -ups? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And we've been, um, yeah, de-seeding those, taking the skin off, um, and preserving those as well uh, for some future unknown 
adventures in probably desserts. Um, so yeah, this time of year is a lot of harvesting, um, a lot of processing and preserving. Uh, but also just last week we put in uh, some new seedlings, uh, some brassicas. So that includes kale, kohlrabi, cabbage, as well as others. And uh, so yeah, those seedlings need a lot of tender care and support, uh, especially in the hot days. So some watering gently of, uh, of these little uh, bits of creation. So uh, it's a very busy time of year. Mm-hmm. That's exciting, brassicas. And you mentioned eggplant, which makes me wonder if Mediterranean pizza is going to be on the menu anytime soon. It's definitely in the running. Uh, we are hoping to be able to serve it. We The eggplants have been struggling this year a little bit, um, but we all agreed that Mediterranean was a fantastic uh, recipe, and people really seem to enjoy it. it showcased uh, things really well, so we're hoping that in the coming weeks we'll be able to. But there's no definitive answer yet. Okay. Favorite recipe or a favorite trick of the kitchen that you can share with us? Sure. I just uh, learned this recently. I'm always in my spare time reading and watching uh, videos about cooking and about these types of things and new recipes and techniques. I learned something new about garlic that I, I was corrected. Uh, I had always assumed that when you're cooking with garlic, uh, a clove of garlic has the same amount of flavor in it that it will always have. You can chop it finely, you can chop it coarsely and, you know, eventually all that flavor will get out. Um, but I learned that a lot of the flavor comes not just from the clove of garlic, but from an interaction between different chemical compounds inside the garlic. So when you crush or chop or um, otherwise kind of tear the cell walls of garlic, this these compounds come into contact and create something new. That's the garlic odor and taste that everyone you know is familiar with. And so one clove of garlic, if you chop it coarsely, it's, it's as if it it will have less flavor than if you chop it finely. And then on top of that, I always thought, you know, well, I'll just add the garlic in and it'll kind of cook out the flavor and spread all throughout. That's not necessarily the case uh, Mm. because at a certain temperature, that reaction of those two compounds is shut down. Mm. Uh, And so if you toss the garlic in too early in the process, when the dish is hot, uh, you may kind of counteract that... uh, that process and there may not be as much flavor as there could be if you kind of added it early or added it right at the end. Uh, and so I've been doing it wrong for years and I never knew. So, um, that was something I got excited, kind of geeked out about, uh, when I learned. So <laughs> I want to, I'm thinking if I have some spare time, I want to do like a lab trial of, uh, you know, chop it to a certain size, then a smaller size, then kind of really, you know, mince it and then just experiment, see if I can tell the difference with my, you know, with my mouth and my nose and um, not just with my brain. You can use uh, all of us Mariah Pie customers as your guinea pigs. <laughs> we'll have a side of just garlic. <laughs> Everyone will love it. Mariah Pie is open Friday nights. 4.30 to 9.30, pay-as-you-can pizza in 
West Norwood at the corner of Carter and Mills Avenue, uh, closing down for the season uh, right, af- right after Thanksgiving. So come visit Matt Latshaw. Thank you for being on the Mariah Podcast. Thanks so much, Angela. It's great to be here.